yo, yo, what up? It's your girl, Amala, for Unapologetic Live. I can't lie, the intro song goes hard every time I hear it. It's a bop. It is a bop. I'm in the background dancing every single time we start the show, so it's a good way to just set things off. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome, and happy Thursday. Happy to be here with you guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about a couple different stories. Uh, one that is getting a lot of airtime, one that's not getting any airtime at all. Uh, we're going to start off by t- talking about the attempted assassination of Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who sits on our Supreme Court, a lifetime appointee in what is a very important position. That sounds like a big country. deal. I hadn't heard anything about this yet. Right. It kind of sounds like if that was going to happen or if it did happen, that maybe mainstream media should report on it. <laughs> One would think. One would think. But we're going to get into their response to this news. Uh, even though they are news outlets, they don't seem to be tripping over themselves to really talk about what's happening. And I don't know if you guys are interested in this next one, but the PGA Golf Tour is changing, and we'll see if that is for the better or not, because the Saudi Arabians have started their own golf tour called LIV, and they are going in and essentially poaching people from the PGA Tour. I think they've gotten 17 PGA uh, athletes so far with exorbitant amounts of money. And we'll talk about that, how it's shifting golf, how people are responding to Saudi Arabia coming in and and altering what has been a a longstanding athletic tradition here in the United States. So let's start off first by talking about Justice Kavanaugh here. So apparently a man showed up at his residence and he was armed uh, with a firearm with the intent of killing Justice Kavanaugh, says some of the reporting on this. They say the the suspect in this case did let police officers know hey i was here to shoot and kill him <laughs> because i heard this is where his house is so not good right uh to shoot a supreme court justice one of the highest seats that you can sit in in our nation and somebody has attempted to assassinate him now luckily brett kavanaugh was not harmed his family was not harmed and the man was arrested and taken care of but you would think that media outlets would be talking about this non-stop it should be on the front page of every single mainstream legacy independent media outlet saying oh my gosh can you believe that somebody sitting on the supreme court was almost assassinated by a crazy man with it seems to be political intent here now We'll go through some of the background on this. There are pro-abortion and pro-choice, whatever you want to call them, protesters who are outside Justice Kavanaugh's home. I don't know if they're there at this very moment uh, because police have barricaded it in the wake of what's happening. But it seems as though this person who attempted to assassinate or had the plan of assassinating Brett Kavanaugh did so uh, because of a multitude of political feelings. It might have been the Evalde shooting. It might have been this draft opinion that was leaked uh, from the Supreme Court by who? <laughs> I love how we still don't know who did that. And we just just brush that off and we're not talking about it anymore. But we'll get to that. And here's a little bit of the protest that's happening outside of Justice Kavanaugh's home. I'm not going to lie. They're good at slogans. Keep your rosaries off my ovaries. That's generous to say that's good, but (laughs) 
Okay. And, you know, it rhymes, you know? Uh, they're, they're really good at signs and slogans. But imagine just living your life like this and waking up every morning to this this going on outside your door. I think I would just move to a hotel or something like that. I would not be able to put up with this, especially with his wife and kids and all that stuff. It's ridiculous to have to be going through this in the first place and to mix a crazy person trying to assassinate you into all of this is just beyond me. So this happens. The guy gets arrested. And you would think, as I said before, that this would be all that the news is talking about. This should be from the morning to the night. We are talking about Justice Kavanaugh and this possible assassination attempt on his life. But no, here's a tweet from uh, John Hassan. He has looked up the New York Times and with his Google search looked in to the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping, which if you guys remember, she was the Michigan governor, and there was a kidnapping plan that was foiled by, I believe, the FBI. They had plotted to come and, and kidnap her in in this strategic move between a, a small group of, of men, I believe. And look at all the different New York Times articles on the Michigan governor. I'm not saying her life is any less important, but certainly the seat that she sits in is far less important than Kavanaugh's seat. And New York Times, because this person represents their ideology and their side of the aisle, ran with this story like nobody's business, article after article after article, as you think one would when an elected representative is having their life threatened in some way, shape, or form by people who represent a radical ideology. Here is the same Google search with even pointed Brett Kavanaugh home Searching New York Times. This is what we got. COVID and race. <laughs> and armed man traveled to Justice Kavanaugh's home to kill him. One article from the New York Times. Unbelievable. And all because he does not represent their ideology. does not represent what they believe. Imagine if this was Sotomayor or Katanji Brown Jackson. If that was the threat that was being faced. If their lives were being uh, placed under threat in this situation on this day. Everybody would be up in arms. It would be worse than probably all the January 6th coverage that we're getting right now, which we will get to the January 6th coverage because somehow we are still talking about that. If that had been an attempt on any of their lives or any of the justices who represent the opposite side of the aisle that we are on, what do you think would be happening? There would be a Patriot Act 2.0 for, for what's going on right now. But no. Because it's Justice Kavanaugh, and we don't like him, and and we we saw that one time that he was accused of that unsubstantiated sexual assault claim. Crickets. Quiet. Nothingness. And this is not just for the New York Times. It is everywhere, and we're going to get into that as well. But I want to talk about a point of hypocrisy. Let's talk hypocrisy. Because I did mention January 6th. And January 6th is snowballed into committees and investigations and talk of, of a new Patriot Act and surveillance and all this, all this crazy stuff. And why was that? It was because on the day of January 6th, the president at the time, Mr. Donald J. Trump, did a speech outside the Capitol and said, you guys fight like hell. Remember, that was the, that was the part that we got uh, to hear on the news day in and day out, fight like hell, fight like hell, fight like hell. They cut out the part where he said, don't don't be violent, just use your voice, use your words. We cut out that part, but we heard fight like hell. And we also heard the term inciting violence. We were told that this man, orange man bad, incited violence and caused exactly what happened in the Capitol on January 6th. Never mind the security guard to open the doors and let them in. We won't talk about that. But that's what we were told. So I'm curious 
Here's a video here of one Mr. Chuck Schumer talking about Brett Kavanaugh, talking about the Roe v. Wade leak of the draft opinion from the Supreme Court, which was already an undermining of our democracy, but we'll get to that later. Here's what he had to say about that. Is this, is this the same? Is this the same vein for you guys? I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. <gasps> he said the word hit. He said the word hit. That could be a connection to the gun, the firearm. With the firearms, when you shoot the bullet, the bullet hits you, right? Can we not call that an inciting of violence? You know what? I wouldn't do that because I am a reasonable person. But I just want to go back and hold people accountable for the things that you heard previously. Because what you heard previously is that Donald J. Trump said fight like hell and that incited the violence that happened on January 6th. That's what you heard. That's what they ran with. That's what justifies all of these investigations and the committees that your tax dollars are going towards. But when you say you're going to get hit with it or you're going to pay the price, that's not the same thing. Not the same thing when somebody subsequently goes and, and takes those actions or takes those words and makes them into action. Just a question that I would like to pose for you guys, because it seems like a little bit of hypocrisy is a brewing. Right. And to say you'll pay the price to a Supreme Court justice, mm -hmm. that can only mean violence, because it's not as though they'll pay the price in the polling booth. They're appointed to right. lifetime terms. Right. And so what are you insinuating? What price are they going to pay? You know, like it doesn't there's not really room for that to be purely rhetorical or purely political in nature, the, the price that they're going to pay. Exactly. You can't enforce a price on them if they're you know, unless you're talking about some sort of threat or violence against them. Yeah, you're talking about yeah violence. You're talking about protesting. You're talking about people not leaving them alone. You're talking about them not being able to run away from the decision that they made, a decision that you should have never even known about. And we still shouldn't know about because the opinion has not been let out yet. Uh, but we will talk about that later. Of course. So I just want to point out the hypocrisy where it lies and so that we don't forget the past transgressions because we're we're very good at doing that because the news cycle moves so quickly and it's always a new story and we never remember what happened two weeks ago, let alone six months ago or, or, or on January 6th. So important to talk about those things and circle back as a young Jen Psaki would say. Now here's another uh, tweet out here. A foil plot to assassinate a Supreme Court justice days before the biggest opinion in 50 years does not make page A1 Jeez. of the New York Times, but it's buried on A20 of the New York Times. That's where they decided to talk about a Supreme Court justice possibly being assassinated. A20 of the New York Times. I just, it doesn't surprise me. I can't say that it surprises me anymore because we've seen this happen Time and time again, as I used to always say, we've seen it happen time and time again. If they get a story that does not support their narrative, they do not run with it. They bury it. And when they do write the articles, they leave out the important details that really speak to the story itself. We did an episode way back when about the Waukesha Christmas Parade. And the young guy who literally got in a car and barreled people over with it. But because that man was black, guess what? What happened to the story? Buried, buried, buried under pages and pages and pages of news articles that you would never hear about. But as soon as it's a white perpetrator or somebody who fits the narrative or somebody who's done it for a reason uh, that is politically right-leaning, 
they run with it. It's front page. Twitter has it trending. Instagram, it's there for you to see. Every single social media platform, every single news outlet is throwing it in your face and they're running with it on a 24-hour period. So they have their agenda, they have their intent, and they have what they want you to see. And this should be extremely concerning to people to see the coverage that's happening right now. Because if you don't hear about a story, it didn't happen. If you do not hear about a story, it did not happen. So if you don't hear about this, it's gone. And if they can just continue to curate the narrative that they want you to hear, the propaganda that they want you to hear, and just bust it out to you day in and day out, they can formulate public opinion. They can formulate who you vote for. They can formulate what you support, what you disagree with. They can literally build your entire life for you as a news outlet. And that's why people don't trust them anymore. That's why people like Joe Rogan are being watched more than CNN and MSNBC and ABC. That's why The Daily Wire has more subscriptions and people watching than any of these legacy media outlets. Because we know, for the most part, that they're lying. But it's still important to hold their feet to the fire because how many people don't know that? How many people don't see it? How many people get to see a video like this out of CNN and think that this is the full story? Uh, very little detail at this point, Kate, other than to say uh, it's an, uh, this man is, uh, he's an adult man from California. We don't yet know what the nature of the threat was. We don't know what language the threat was uh, or what kind of weapon this man might have had, uh, if he had one at all, uh, because the information at this point uh, is just so thin. But Kate, this, this certainly contributes to this overall threat landscape we've been talking a lot about. The major concern here with this abortion ruling from federal officials, and they've been sounding the alarm, alarm on this for about a month, is that Supreme Court justices will certainly be, you know, potentially targeted by violent extremists who are angered over this pending ruling that is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. This is an extremely passionate issue. There are emotions on both sides. Federal officials have made clear over and over <laughs> they believe the risk truly comes from both sides of this abortion debate. Uh, so certainly this case, uh, you know, really solidifying what federal officials have been warning about. People are angry. They might seek to use the abortion ruling as a justification to cause violence. And that puts these Supreme Court justices, their staffs and other members uh, of this, the judiciary, especially the Supreme Court at risk. It sounds like she's using it as justification. And if I remember, there was an old bedtime story told to me once of an orange man who said it was on both sides. And the media heard the quote of saying that it was on both sides. There's passion on both sides. There's good people on both sides, whatever. And ran with it like the world was on fire. Like the man should be impeached for what he had just said. What did you just hear from CNN? <laughs> I just want to keep pulling it back. Keep holding it accountable. Keep drawing the comparisons and keep pointing out the hypocrisy because it is so ever-present in every single story that I feel like we're covering today. It is blatant. It is obvious. And it's so clear what's going on now, what the motivating forces are behind these attacks. There are emotions on both sides, though, guys. It's a very passionate issue on both sides. We should expect we should expect that there should be targets on the backs of our, our Supreme Court uh, officials and, and their staffers. Insane, the world that we live in. Insane. Now, I wanted to do a little experiment with you guys today on this story in particular. Let's find out how many mainstream outlets chose to put their coverage of the Kavanaugh attempted assassination on their front page website. Let's start with CNN. 
quick scroll through. Uh, yeah. CNN? Nope. Don't see that in the first scroll. MSNBC? I see a lot of January 6th. Let's keep on a looking. No, no, no. Oh, there he is. Right there in top video. So MSNBC chose to put it on their second scroll of their page. ABC News. January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. Hmm. Not seeing it. So ABC News. No. The New York Times. Scrolling. January 6th right there at the top, of course, because we need that coverage. January 6th again. January 6th again. January 6th again. January 6th again. Where's Kavanaugh? Where's the attempted assassination of one of our Supreme Court justices? No, we can we can venture to say that's not on the front page there. The Washington Post. January 6th. January 6th. January 6th. Not seeing it. There's another January 6th, though. Not on the front page of the New York Post either or the Washington Post. So I don't know what more evidence you need to see that they don't care about truth. They don't care about real news. They don't care about stories that are actually impactful. All they care about is this demonization of the side that they disagree with. And that is all these news outlets. CNN didn't cover the assassination on the front page. MSNBC didn't cover the assassination on the front page. ABC News didn't cover the assassination on the front page. New York Times didn't cover the assassination on the front page. And the Washington Post didn't cover the assassination on the front page. <laughs> I, I, there, That's it. I, to, I, to be fair, I saw a really interesting report about like a 25-year-old movie, All the President's Men, um, on one of those. So, I mean, there's some pretty important stuff going yeah. on <laughs> that takes precedence over uh, an attempted assassination on a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. That, you know... the. When we're talking about threats to democracy and stuff as well, uh, you know, a, a Supreme Court justice being attacked in their home or uh, having mm-hmm. a threat of violence with a gunman right outside their home, that's not a threat on democracy. We need to talk about something that happened two years ago. Um, that right. is what needs to be blanket coverage wall to wall on uh, mainstream media. Absolutely. Because a threat to a de- to democracy, it's okay when it's their side. It's totally fine when it's their side. When somebody who we still don't know the name of goes in and lacks leaks a a draft opinion from the Supreme Court, unprecedented, an unprecedented undermining of our institution. When that happens, we don't care to do an investigation. We don't care to leak the name of who actually did it. We don't care to even call it a threat to democracy. All we go is an oopsie, oopsie. Now the people are protesting and saying they want to burn down the Supreme Court. Well, I wonder who did it. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll put the FBI on that. Maybe they'll go and maybe they'll go and take care of that. That's not a threat to democracy. I watched a clip of a man on CNN saying that the threat to democracy was how many people watch the Daily Wire. That was a threat to democracy, that the Daily Wire is more popular than some of these legacy media outlets. That's a threat to democracy. But the complete undermining of everything, the the George Floyd riots that happened in our streets that were burning down police precincts and black businesses and killed over 20 people in the streets of the United States, where you had months of just tirelessly watching people burn things down and loot and, and ruin property to the tune of $2 billion, that was not a threat to our democracy. That was mostly peaceful protests. But when security guards open up the, the Capitol and let people into it on January 6th, that's a threat to your democracy. I'm just telling you guys, 
question everything all the time because if you let's say you were completely unaware of anything happening politically right now and you went to the front page of these media outlets you would not know a single thing about this you would never hear a peep it would never cross your eyes your ears anything which is unbelievable to me and dennis when he goes out and does speeches and he talks about the true threat to not only our democracy, but to our minds. He always brings up the Soviet Union and the fact that they had a, a newspaper called Pravda. Pravda translates to truth. And it was just utter propaganda and lies that was completely uh, just cyclically dished out to people who were living in these communities and just saying, here's truth, here's truth, here's truth, here's truth. And it's nothing but lies. And this is exactly what they're doing to us today. They're saying we are the arbiters of truth. We're the ones that you can trust and tune into every single day. Never mind the Joe Rogans, the Prager U's, the Daily Wires, anybody else who is doing this uh, on, on something that is independent. Never mind them. We are the truth seekers. We are the truth tellers, and you should only trust us. But here's all your lies, and here's all the things that we cover up. Imagine if we did not have social media or independent news outlets or other people who are willing to make videos and talk about these things. You would never know what's happening right underneath your nose. Never. We'd be completely brainwashed into believing every single piece of dogma that they believe because of the stronghold that they once had on media and what we heard and what we saw. They no longer have that stronghold and we should not take that for granted and we should constantly be calling them out and holding them accountable. And this day proves it more than uh, anything in a long time that I've seen from these outlets. Unbelievable. And I think that's it for the Justice Kavanaugh. Hopefully he's getting... A bit of rest because the man cannot catch a break, it seems, through his entire nomination and the Senate hearings and the accusations to all the turmoil around Roe v. Wade and whether or not they're going to pack the Supreme Court and all this unbelievable stuff to now having an assassination attempt that nobody will even cover. Nobody will even talk about. So, yeah, just just keep your keep your eyes and ears open. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, now we're going to talk about golf news. I'm going to start off by saying I know nothing about golf. Taylor, do you know anything about golf? Noted golf expert Amala Epinobi yeah. is going to break down for us something. No, I mean, Amala actually wanted to cover this today. I've, I, I noticed a story the other day and I was like, wow, this is like really fascinating to me. But you took a particular interest. Why? What What stands out about it to you? The, the thing that stands out about it to me, so just to give you guys some background on this. So the, the PGA, which is like the biggest golf tour in, but really the, in the world, world. Yeah. in the world. All the best players play. I going to say in America. But yeah, so all the best golf players play for the PGA golf tour. And Saudi Arabia came in and said, hey, we're starting our own golf tour. It's called LIV. Come on in and join. And they're offering millions upon millions of dollars to some of the best players in the PGA golf tour. I believe you said they offered Tiger Woods $800 million. I saw one tweet around that, that it was in the high hundreds of millions. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, not verified, but it's they're, they're throwing $100 million around to a bunch of different golf players. Yeah, they're throwing lots of, lots of sweet Saudi money over to these golf players. And guess what? The golf players are listening and they're leaving. So 17 players have decided to uh, include themselves in this LIV golf tour. And now the PGA has responded and said, hey, you guys are suspended. Mickelson and Johnson. I don't know if you guys recognize any of those names. I don't know the golf names, but if you guys are Phil golf Mickelson's fans, like legendary. He's won some of the top tournaments cool. like multiple times over his career. He was uh, a, a rival of, of Tiger Woods back in the day. Yeah. Um, and then Dustin Johnson uh, was recently a world number one and also recently won one of the golf majors. There's four major tournaments a year. They're the biggest deal ever. And uh, okay. both these guys are, are big time golfers. So 
Okay, Taylor, yeah. you know a little something about a little something. <laughs> I'm a golf fan. Yeah. Uh, what sparked interest in me for this, I was like, what is Saudi Arabia doing funding golf? I didn't realize how lucrative the actual golf business is, how much money that these uh, athletes take in, like Mickelson and Johnson and uh, Tiger Woods, to these golf tours. So I started looking into this because a lot of people were levying criticism to them, saying, how dare you take Saudi Arabian money? That's disgusting from what they did in their relationship with America and all this stuff and the wars and blah, 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 blah. How dare you take money from people who deviate from American tradition and, uh, you know, fundamentalism and all that stuff. So lots of heat levied towards the players for backing out and choosing to take millions of dollars. I don't know how you guys personally feel about that. Maybe we can put a poll uh, in the chat down below after this one that Spence just put out about whether or not you guys look down on people taking Saudi Arabian money. So I, I was curious about that in particular, and I started looking into just our country's recent relationship with Saudi Arabia, and uh, a lot of people have been levying criticism on that as well. When Saudi Arabia went and killed Khashoggi, who was an American journalist over there, I believe in the consulate they killed him, and it was a horrifying news story that was everywhere at the time where he had come there for a visit and lost his life in a horrible, horrific fashion. You guys can look for more details on that if you'd like to know it, but I'm not going to get into it. Uh, and we immediately were up in arms about our relationship with Saudi Arabia saying, you know, we need to we need to disband this relationship. We need to keep him as far as we possibly can. And that was just the nail in the coffin on that particular issue. So we went through our, the presidential elections and the debates back and forth. And our current president said, oh, I, I have no intention of furthering our relationship with Saudi Arabia. We are going to make them into a pariah. But he has now gone to visit Saudi Arabia in order to, you know, do, do some business dealings. And has even sold weapons to Saudi Arabia, something that was also said that would not be done. So really, our, our country is not the best of, at upholding its own standards when it comes to Saudi Arabian money. And do we view the PGA members who have left and now been suspended in that same light? I also wanted to see where the funding was coming from. And it's essentially coming from something called the Public Investment Fund, which Saudi Arabia as a country has a public investment fund. And they take that money and they drop it into different pots. The hundreds of millions of dollars that are going into this LIV golf tour are from that public investment fund. And I thought, that's interesting. I wonder what else the Saudi Arabians are funding here in this country that we utilize. And shocker, a, a lot of things and a, probably a lot of things that you use or are familiar with on a daily basis. So here are some companies backed by the PIF, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. Uber, Facebook, Citigroup slash Citibank, Berkshire Hathaway, Boeing, Bank of America and Disney. And these are just the blatantly recognizable companies that when you see, you know immediately because they are take some space in your life. So uh, it just brought up the thought to me that can you ever escape, quote, dirty money? And with the history of the United States and things that we've done and continue to do, like we're currently sending troops to Somalia, is our money not dirty in some ways? So we levy out criticism to these golf players for for taking, you know, an $800 million contract with the Saudi Arabian uh, Public Investment Fund through this LIV golf tour, but we're utilizing it with Uber and Facebook and Citibank and Citigroup and Berkshire Hathaway and Boeing and Bank of America and Disney. Is there any true possibility that we can live 
in a future where we actually have good money circulating and that we're not touching blood money or dirty money. And let's assume that we take care of this and we all stop using all of these businesses for the sake of not using Saudi Arabian money. Then you got to move on to China and and see where that's being utilized. And they're invested in far more than Saudi Arabia is. I mean, I, I have a feeling that all the stuff that built this studio has probably been touched by Chinese money or made in a Chinese factory or something like that. So is it ever possible to escape these things or is it something, is it an exercise in futility? Is it something that we should just consistently work towards and try to slowly get these things out of our lives? And lastly, can we judge people like the members of the PGA who are leaving now to work for the Saudi Arabian League for 800, 600, a couple hundred million dollars when we're willing to take Saudi Arabian money for an Uber ride. <laughs> so it's it's really tough. I, and it was something that I didn't quite think about. And my immediate reaction was like, ew, how could you possibly take money from the Saudi Arabian government to, to leave what is an American league and all this stuff? And I had to think and go, well there's, well, there's no way. You know, I can't have this strong of opinion on this without somehow being guilty of it myself. And I went and looked into it. And sure enough, it took like five minutes to find out all the different companies that have been invested with Saudi Arabian money. It's an interesting question. It is. Yeah. I don't know that you can really escape these days. And uh, yeah, these are the same people that were currently begging to pump more oil right now. And yeah. um, the, the global economy is a complicated thing. And it, it, I think it does speak to on some level, like our how how shallow our convictions are as a as a culture um, about these things, because if there was enough furor over uh, these types of relationships that our country has, that um, companies that are prospering right now um, in our country have with these uh, countries that are committing atrocious human rights abuses and that yeah. are highly exploitative and do not share our values. Um, if there was enough outrage about it, we, it, it would stop. Mm -hmm. But the problem is people have are just basically comfortable at, on some level. They're willing to make that compromise. And it, it's a complicated thing. Like we talk about, you know, when, when Target um, came out and said they were going to be selling chest binders and, and fake genitalia for people to stuff their underwear, for right. kids to stuff their underwear. Um, that was like, Okay, mm -hmm. we're. I don't think done we can stop it. Yeah, we're done with Target now. Yep. Um, and you know, and that's that has worked too. We've seen like Netflix there with their <clears> stock <throat> cratering and and them coming out. Their CEO saying, "Okay, we're not going to. Uh, you know, if you don't like the content that we're making, that uh, you then tough luck. You can find another job somewhere." Telling their own people that their own woke people that, and you know, that was in response to backlash. So if there were enough global backlash uh, right. to China's abuses to Saudi Arabia's abuses, maybe things would start to change. But until now, I think people have just been content to have their cheap Ubers and have their, you know, cheap goods from China and enjoy their movies and all this stuff. And uh, we kind of are lulled to sleep, Brave New World style, uh, yep. and just kind of uh, make that, you know, shove it under the rug in our own hearts and yeah. uh, live with it. And it's a, it's an interesting question. Yeah, it is. And uh, one of these days we'll post an old interview that I did with a guy by the name of Rod Dreher, who wrote this book called Live Not By Lies. And in the book, he talks about this idea of soft totalitarianism, where we have this idea from what we've learned throughout our, our history classes and in our readings that totalitarianism, 
Nism always is ushered in with the military boot. It's the hard knock at the door. It's the violence. It's the fighting. It's the hiding. And that's what totalitarian looks like. It looks like suffering. And, and he sort of posits in his book and in all the talks that he does that that's not what totalitarianism is going to look like in the future. It's going to look soft. It's going to lure you in with this idea of convenience, of luxury, of relaxation. And that's really where we're, we, we're at now. We're so willing to... Uh, you know, fraternize with these different corporations so long as they provide something that gives us gives our lives convenience or allows us to relax. Like Uber gives you a ride when you want one and when you need one. Um, and that's the trade-off that we make. We're totally okay that Uber is connected to the World Economic Forum that doesn't want to see you own anything by 2030 and says that you'll be totally happy being surveilled by the government. We're totally fine that Uber takes money from Saudi Arabia and I'm sure China as well. We're totally fine with these things so long as the trade-off is a convenient lifestyle for us. And that's what it's going to look like, is that we slowly give away parts of ourselves and freedoms and civil liberties that we have for the sake of convenience, for the sake of not having to struggle, for the sake of not having to deal with opposition. And then it's gonna, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be like, oh, wow, I'm living in this techno bubble with no identity other than what the race, gender, sexuality card that they had tattooed on my chest for when I interact with other people. And all of my self is downloaded into this digital wallet where I have all my medical information and people are constantly surveilling me and looking at my carbon footprint and all this stuff. But my life's so convenient. <laughs> but everything, but I'm super relaxed. <laughs> but like I'm super chill, even though you can't develop or, or, or get any struggle or meet any adversity other than just the government controlling everything that you do. So there comes a point where we have to just look at ourselves and go, am I okay with this? Am I comfortable with this? And even I find it hard because if you look at just this short list, I'll pull it back up for you guys, of these uh, Saudi Arabian funded companies, you have to think that this is not, this is not even a, a nick of the surface of all the different things that we should be boycotting. Is that possible? Is that possible? I got to think of like the clothes am I wearing right now? Are they are they made uh, and funded by the, the Chinese Communist Party? You don't know. You have no idea. And if you took the time to delve into every single thing that you involve yourself in and you partake in, I'm sure all of them, you would find something that is nefarious or something that you don't quite support with all of your moral backing. So I wonder just where, where the line is going to be drawn, what we end up doing and the more I delve into it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't think I truly understood how deep we are in this, how deeply entrenched we are in this. It feels like we are fighting from like 50 decades back because they've been working on this for so long and we're just now catching on to what's happening. Like the fact that they're willing to do this openly, that this is public record, that you can go on the internet and see it, that you can read what, what the World Economic Forum is doing, which we'll do a whole video on that and what the most dangerous endeavors they are involved in are. But the fact that we can read this and it's just free to us should be a bad sign that they're just comfortable with that being out in the open and that they no longer feel the need to hide what they've been working on for decades and decades now. So uh, we need to be diligent. I just don't know what that looks like. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. And it's interesting when you talk about, when you think about like, where do you draw the line and what are the trade-offs that we're making? And right now, again, we are, you know, sending weaponry and um, going over and asking of this country to, uh, 
pump more oil so uh, we can get more of their oil. And they're a country that and that we're basically supporting. And um, they're the country that's throwing pe- people off of throwing gay people off of buildings and yep. not letting women drive. And we know all their human rights abuses. Yep. And not to mention all the other you know places their tentacles are involved in on the world stage. And it's mm-hmm. like that's what we're willing to trade because at home we're not willing to pump more oil ourselves. We're not willing to create jobs in America because of this environmental concerns, which if you look into them and like uh, Schellenberger's book, Apocalypse Now, really details a lot of this of mm-hmm. or Apocalypse Never, um, details how like the, all the concerns about the the, the uh, energy that they're, that we're depriving ourselves of uh, domestic energy from are really moot. And uh, anyway, so we're trading that off mm-hmm. in fa- and we're willing to do business with these very shady people just so we can virtue signal about environments. Like that's where we're drawing the line because you have to answer where are you going to draw the line? And it's like, why is that okay? Yeah. It's just so weird that we have to deal with all these things and think about them. It's just strange to me, especially with what you just said with our energy dependency and all that stuff. We're totally capable of being energy independent here in the United States completely capable of it yet mm-hmm. we choose we yeah we were and we choose to be involved with other countries now why why ask yourselves why and why are those other countries also involved with nearly every single major corporation that is a part of your life why why and they're not good like they're not well-run countries they're not good for the people who live there they certainly don't value their citizens they don't value freedoms they don't value civil liberties but we value their money and we value their business why what is the future going to bring and why would America that really was founded on this idea of independence, was founded on this idea of sovereignty, and was founded on the idea of not being involved internationally with other countries. George Washington, when he left office after his second term, said, do not get involved in foreign affairs. Try your best to stay as an isolated country, work on your own independence and sovereignty, and do not get involved with other nations. Why (laughs) do we now have our hand in all these different buckets across all these different countries? Maybe... It is because we want a globalist government, huh? <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's this is just a stepping stone in what is a long-term plan for us just to become one global economy, one global network, uh, one global subjugated society. Just a thought. I could be wrong. This is where I need the conspiracy noise on my soundboard again. Where yeah. it's like, Everybody's saying do the Twilight yeah. Zone. Uh-huh. <laughs> Twilight Zone sound. Maybe we'll get that uh, programmed into our soundboard uh, for all these different moments that pop up. Mm-hmm. On that note, that is really all I had to talk about today. I don't want to leave you guys on a depressing oh, note. Um, but let me try not to depress you. Uh, actually, I'm going to depress you again. <laughs> I'm going to depress you again a little bit because Matt Walsh had to cancel on us today. He's not going to be on tomorrow's show like I told you he was going to be. We had a last minute uh, change of plans. So he's actually going to be on next week instead. So tomorrow we're going to do Fun Friday live for you guys here. We'll sit in, we'll talk, we'll go back and forth, we'll chat. Today I'm going to be on Fox News, Laura Ingram. So if you guys want to watch that, it'll be 740 Pacific on the uh, on the West Coast and 1040 Pacific on the East Coast. You guys can check me out on Fox News. I don't know if there's any other news. Do you have anything happy to say, Taylor? Uh, people are really bummed about Matt Walsh not being on the show, but he will be <laughs> on the show next week. We're, we're rescheduling right now. It's yes. going to happen, guys. Don't worry. Yes. Um, you will find out what a woman is. Do yes. not worry. <laughs> just wait one more week. Or you can go watch the documentary that's out now. <laughs> that but. is true. That is true. Taylor, you just watched it. What were your thoughts? 
Um, it's really good. It's, I mean, we kind of live in this world, so it wasn't a lot that I hadn't necessarily heard before, but it right. is cool to watch the, the, all these, like he went, goes and interviews these professors who are proponents of gender ideology and teach it. And supposedly the world's foremost experts. And he's like, ask them very simple questions about their ideology and ultimately what is a woman? And mm-hmm. they just squirm and can't answer. And, uh, yeah. it's, it's amazing that with, uh, just how simple questions and, and common sense just completely usurps our ideology. And they're, it's, it's so evident how they're not used to being challenged or having their worldview challenged. And I think that's that also goes, uh, it speaks to, like we were talking about before, with the way that what the mainstream media chooses to cover and puts in front of you sort of creates this reality. And it's yep. it's just like a giant bubble that you can just pop with very simple questions. So um, anyway, I, it's definitely worth watching. I'm looking forward that we'll have him on the show. Yes. I actually want to ask him how he got some of the interviews that he got, because I can't imagine why those leftists would ever sit down with Matt to have a discussion with him. I'm like, did you hoodwink them into like doing the interviews with you? Did you like trick them? I'm like, how could you have openly been like, I'm from the Daily Wire. I want to interview you. And these guys went and did the interviews. Yeah, I listened to some of the backstage that they did, like introducing it during the premiere. Mm-hmm. And um, they were saying like they they didn't do the interviews under false pretenses. A lot of these people did not know who Matt Walsh was, which uh. also speaks to the uh, the bubble that they live in. But as the interviews went on, um, they started got wind of like, oh, this is not just someone who's genuinely curious about my expertise. Um, and Matt Walsh was saying like they're used to just um, being in a position of here's the ideology you're there to listen and be taught to do the work of educating yourself yeah, uh, yeah. into yeah this this advanced enlightened uh you know awakenedness uh of that is wokeism and you just sit there and listen and they're, they're not used to like having actually having to defend their views so um when they were challenged that's when they got wind of this was something was afoot yeah there were so many awkward moments in that documentary guys i hope you guys do actually go and watch it yeah 67 percent of you so far said you have not seen it so 67 percent, you got to get on it and i think that is our show for today hope you guys had a fun time or maybe not so fun time but at least you came out educated and you know a little bit more about the situations that are going on in today's day and age if you feel more educated or you had some fun or you just enjoyed listening please like subscribe click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live that's three o'clock pacific 6 p.m eastern for your viewing pleasure if you'd like to listen to us and for your ear pleasure (laughs) go to google play spotify or apple podcast leave us a five-star review there because the leftists love to leave us one star reviews so we need to make up for that leave a comment down below what do i want you to comment on today (laughs) did you know that Saudi Arabia was invested in these corporations that I showed you, Uber, Facebook, Citigroup, Berkshire Hathaway, Boeing, Bank of America, Disney. And is there other things we don't know about these corporations that you guys know and you want to leave down in the comments below? Please put that down in the comments. I would love to know. Get your perspective. Get what you're up on and what you're down on because I feel like I'm down on everything and I'm constantly learning every single day. I will see you guys tomorrow for Fun Friday live here in the studio and I can't wait. Bye, guys. (laughs) Boo, 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 boo. Bye, guys.